Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy March 4th, everyone. Happy Thursday. Uh, good to be with you multiple times this week. Uh, as I know some of you have been clamoring for, uh, things are about to heat back up uh, with the ending of basketball season, first of baseball season, football recruiting uh, is in full swing. We got 16 days until spring practice. Uh, even in, on the recruiting end, you know, the states of North Carolina and Virginia, I think, are playing high school football this spring. So you'll have some stuff to track there. Uh, and we got it all for you here on the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Probably a shorter episode today. Uh, programming note, I will be on with Keith Allsep tomorrow on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. Going to try to talk to Keith. I hadn't talked to Keith about this, but I did uh, get a feedback on Twitter about last time I was on there. Uh, people seem to really like he and I <laughs> together. I'm sure that some of you do. Um, and so what we may try to do is, and I'll talk to Keith uh, tomorrow because I haven't really gotten with him. I put it on Twitter is maybe – you know, maybe we get Keith on this one once a week and I go on with him once a week. You know, we rotate weeks or something. Uh, so you guys can get a taste of that here uh, on the Inside the Gamecast podcast, especially those of you that aren't patrons of his that, you know, can't get his stuff but once a week, uh, you know, give you another opportunity to hear from the Cockfather uh, about a number of topics and it's always a good conversation with him. Uh, I want to thank everybody that took advantage of the special on uh, the bigspur.com. Uh, the steep discount. We were top 15 in our network as far as new members go. Uh, and hope you're enjoying Paramount Plus today. Uh, and all that is part of the, the special deal there. Uh, again, uh, mailbag inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. And add inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. Uh, we don't have a Facebook page, but uh, do have a mailbag question, a mailbag question in today. Uh, and certainly, um, I'm looking forward to digging in with all of that. All right, so we know we have the transfer portal, right? And and I know that there have been some transfers from from Clemson to South Carolina. Uh, unprecedented types of deals uh, during the Muschamp era. It's starting with Caleb Chalmers, who uh, sort of went to JUCO, then came back to Carolina, and that, that was a bust. And then Josh Belk, who signed with Clemson, went through spring, got a waiver, came in. Uh, and, and I don't know, Josh, a bust. I mean, you know, and, and he didn't, didn't really bust out because he couldn't play. I think he just lost the desire to play ball. Um and that happened there. Uh, and then Tavian Feaster, of course, came in for his senior year, rushed for 800 yards and contributed to the team. I mean, uh, the games the Gamecocks won that year, he was he was a big part of nearly all of them. And certainly um, when, when you look at that, that was a worthwhile take, especially considering, uh, you know, you had a situation where Dowdle got hurt that year and you needed a guy. And, you know, I remember the Florida game, which was – Tavian's best game, you know, he 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 had the Gamecocks right there. It certainly wasn't his fault that the Gamecocks lost the football game. So, uh, you know, you kind of won for three on that. Uh, and Darian Kendrick, uh, an in-state guy, and these are all in-state guys that, 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 you know, 
have come. Chalmers is from Greenwood. Belka's from Louisville. Feaster's from Spartanburg. Uh, you know, she, she always want to take a look at those guys. And, and Darian Kendrick, who was a five-star athlete out of South Point in Rock Hill, which is the place the Gamecocks normally get players, um, signed with Clemson, I believe it's 2017 class, started as a receiver, went to corner. They thought he was going to be outstanding at corner. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. You don't always see that on the field. Uh, he finally ran out of chances with Davo Swinney and, and is in the portal. Okay. South Carolina is not, you know, people, people kind of started speculating on this. We checked, um, you know, my friend Mike Farrell from Rivals was, was talking about it. And I'm sure he's heard, you know, maybe the Gamecocks are interested through people close to Kendrick or whatever. But South Carolina's not taking him. Um, and we said that on the Big Spur. Uh, people keep asking about it. I'm telling you, my audience, now. Uh, and look, sometimes things change, spots open up, all that. But South Carolina doesn't have any more initial counters. Um, so, in other words, unless a guy left that was an early enrollee, like like let's say Marcellus Dial decided to leave, or, or David Spalding decided to leave, or something like that, then a spot would open up. Even at that, I'm told it would be a very, very, you know, kind of a judgment call probably made by Shane Beamer at the end of the day. Head coach, That's a head coach decision. Uh, just because of some of the off-the-field stuff. I'm not bashing the kid. I think he's got a load of talent. Uh, I, I just think that right now, you know, you don't want to sacrifice what you got going on for the mental aspect of it. Uh, I also don't think when you look at him – uh, it's not like getting Derek Stringley or, from LSU uh, or, or, or somebody like, or even Andrew Booth uh, from Clemson. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that – I think Kendrick's got all the athletic ability in the world. I just don't think he's, he's like those guys. Um, and, and I think, you know, South Carolina is making the right decision as of now. Now, now what happens if we get in the summer? Maybe he really wants to go to South Carolina – uh, you know, they have a meeting, there's a spot open all of a sudden, you know, you, you don't rule anything out in recruiting, especially with an in-state kid that's got that kind of talent. Uh, but, but I expect him, honestly, to go to Georgia. Uh, Georgia's in the market for a, a corner or corners because uh, they lost some people at that spot. Uh, and I think they'll, you know, they'll take him. And you probably are asking, well, why would Georgia take him if South Carolina wouldn't? Well, Georgia's got room first and foremost. Um, and, and they're also going to have to be comfortable bringing any guy into their program, you know, like they do and, and all that. But I, I've heard from a lot of sources it's going to be Georgia, um, you know, and obviously it makes sense because of their need uh, at corner. I don't know that he'll start at Georgia at corner. I think he's going to have to get a lot better. Now Kirby Smart, who's coached secondary for years, who's – put a lot of players like that in the NFL, he, he can coach them up. I mean, I, I've seen this before uh, with Alabama. You know, Landon Dickerson, uh, who we all remember because South Carolina recruited him offensive lineman out of North Carolina, really struggled at Florida State. You know, signed with FSU, struggled there. It was a grad transfer. And then look what he did at Alabama this year. He got hurt for the championship game. But, you know, Saban really, like, you know, was hugging him at the end of the, of the game. Uh, because he made a big difference for them. So, so talent's talent. Sometimes you can get it out of them. 
I just don't think if you're South Carolina, you upset the apple cart. Um, I'm not saying that you don't take players from Clemson uh, if they want to transfer. Uh, because, like I said, you know, that you're one for three, but one guy just gave up football. The other one just wasn't very good and didn't do what it takes to be good in Chalmers. Um, and, and then you got Feaster, who who was pretty good, you know, probably not the five-star guy that he was out of high school, but uh, certainly made his share of plays the one year he was at Carolina and did everything he was told and everything they asked of him and played hard right until the end. You know, he was out there against Clemson, the game's over. He was one of the only guys on the field really trying. So, uh, you know, nothing against taking Tavian Feaster, to be honest. I mean, that, that was good. But uh, I, I think you need that kind of guy with that kind of character uh, to make this move. And I just don't know that you check the boxes, even if they had space. But the number one reason is they're full. You know, you just don't have another guy. Um, so, you know, Darian Kendrick, Rock Hill, South Point, probably going to Georgia. And we'll see how he does down there. I, I don't know that, you know, I, I think I think everything from he could be the difference in their season next year because they need corners uh, to where he'll be a role player, you know, and, and rarely play. I, I just I, – I, I haven't broken down their depth chart enough. I just know that numbers-wise they're a little short at that spot. They need guys. He's the type of, you know, physical specs that they love down there. So, so that's probably where he's going. So that's the Darion Kendrick story. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's the story and I'm sticking to it. So, uh, that, that's what's going on right there. Cause there's a lot of questions about it and, and some debate, you know, can you take them? Can't, would you take them? Would you not? And it's not as simple as yes or no, uh, with Carolina given the, the, you know, the numbers, um, and, and Carolina quite frankly has a lot of guys that they brought in, uh, uh, the defensive backs and, uh, you know, time will tell. You know how good these guys are, um, but you know I, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the kid from Georgia Southern that everybody's heard a lot of good things about um, so far. That, that's got four more years to play versus a Darian Kendrick who has had sort of a, an up and down career at, at Clemson. You know, just because Kendrick was a five star, and that's and look, and I think Darian Kendrick could play receiver too if he wanted to, but, you know, just because the kid was a five-star in doesn't mean anything now. Um, and, and, you know, Carolina, I think numbers wise in the secondary is fine. They got to sort out where everybody's going to play and, and who's the best and who's not and all that, but they got the numbers. So that's the Darian Kendrick story. Sorry if you disagree with it. Um, as with any kind of decision like this, you know, it, it's easy to sit there uh, when you're not the head coach or the recruiting coordinator and, and tell everybody to find a way because you're obsessed with star ratings and athleticism and all that good stuff. But um, I'm telling you, if, if, if <laughs> you know, if, if that had played out, you know, if he were a five-star prospect, you know, legitimately, uh, I don't think we'd be talking about where is he going to grad transfer. I think we'd be talking about uh, him going to the National Football League. So, um, that's the deal there. Uh, by the way, uh, I, and I don't know what where South Carolina stands with this guy. Uh, I know he's probably under evaluation, but uh, the next guy at South Point, and he, he's got a bunch of offers, so he'll at least go somewhere. I uh, watched him on film today. His cornerback, Quan Peterson, uh, and he looks tall and got, has great recovery speed, fast. Uh, some of the best corner tape in coverage – I've seen, now I don't know if he'll hit you or not. You know, I don't know about his tackling, 
Uh, somebody today on the message board compared to Deion Sanders. Uh, but, you know, you, you look at coverage like that, and if he's legit 6'1", like he says, and that big, uh, you know, he's a guy that you're hopeful Carolina has camp this year uh, because I think he's a guy that absolutely could go down there if he runs well, covers well. They're comfortable with his physicality uh, that could, you know, play and, um, you know, get an offer uh, and be the next guy from South Point. So uh, while we're talking about South Point athletes, you know, I wanted to mention Quan Peterson, uh, class of 2022 corner uh, up there that, that I, I was impressed with. I mean, watch it, you know, it's not often that I just see a guy randomly watch because um, I think he got an offer from, you know, Memphis or somebody today. And so I watched it. So he's from, uh, you know, you know, uh, it's from South Point, from South Carolina. I always like to watch those kids. Uh, 24-7 sports rates him at 84. So I know Charles Powers evaluated his film. Um, so anyway, Quan Peterson, if you, you for you recruit Nick's out there, uh, keep your eye on him. Uh, another under-the-radar guy, offensive tackle from Ridgeview High School, home of Dennis Daly, uh, there in Columbia. Uh, probably a camp evaluation guy. Uh, Trey Franklin, 6'6", 245, a great frame. You watch him on film, he's physical. He's a physical specimen. Um, just has to fill out his frame. Uh, is a guy that they're probably going to want to get in camp and evaluate because he, you know, 6'6", 245, uh, offensive tackle. Uh, you probably want to get those guys in camp just to make sure you're comfortable with frame. Can they put on the weight, that kind of thing. But, uh, boy, I watched this film really, really good. He's been in touch with Eric Camry, uh, tight ends coach, who's co- uh, recruiting Rich, uh, Richland and Lexington County uh, and, you know, obviously a Columbia native. Uh, and been in touch with Greg Atkins as well. So there's a name to keep an eye on. Two names, both of them in-state to keep an eye on. And the third in-state guy I'm going to mention, since we're kind of transitioning into 2022 recruiting, uh, Xavier Short from Chapin. Uh, Keep an eye on this guy. Maybe another camp guy. Maybe a preferred walk-on candidate. I don't know. I know he's got offers from Charlotte and some other ones. Uh, 6'2", 210. Looks like a prime candidate to be an H-back uh, for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that's been talking to the Gamecocks and stuff like that. Uh, so keep an eye on him as well. So that's kind of your in-state recruiting roundup uh, right now, uh, Gamecocks, from what I'm told, you know. And, and look, I, I thought Will Muschamp did this better than the Spurrier staff, but I think these guys are doing it even better. They're leaving no stone unturned in the state, whether that's identifying potential walk-ons, whether that's, you know, making sure you're going to pass, uh, you know, making sure there's valid reasons you got to pass and making sure that guy has had a thorough eval before he gets out and goes someplace else and starts playing well. I mean, we all were kind of, uh, I'm sure Gamecock fans, we all, I'm not, uh, I'm not part of the program, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we all as observers, uh, we're embarrassed last year that South Carolina couldn't field a receiver, especially a big one. Uh, and you look and you see Lavelle Davis at Virginia, ACC uh, receiver of the week. You saw him making plays against Clemson, and he's six six and a half. Uh, how do you let that freak just go? Oh no, we'll pass. We don't need that guy. <laughs> we got. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who you got. So. Um, 
Yeah, so so that kind of thing. And look, guys, in, as far as recruiting goes, I, I'll tell you this: I, I, I don't. You go head to head against Georgia or Clemson or Bama, uh, or you know North Carolina on a North Carolina kid, or Florida State on a Florida kid, or uh, Virginia Tech on a Virginia kid. You know Penn State on a DMB kid. Um, you know really anybody. I mean, you know you, you lose battles. I, I, I you're not going to hear me get critical of recruiting. You know, uh, your ranking getting that high, you're not going to hear me be all that critical. You know, if it's in the 70s over three or four, you know, years, yeah, maybe maybe you're 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 to pay more attention to the ranking and say we we gotta we gotta uh, we're not uh, gonna hit on 90 percent of these guys like you know we're not you know it'd be the best evaluation staff in the history of college football. Um, so you do need to get that ranking up, but you know, you're not going to hear me make a huge deal out of that cycle to cycle. You're not going to hear me bash a three-star kid, uh, that commits. Um, you, you will hear me say, if I have questions about the guy, well, here's, here's what I think he needs to work on. Uh, but if you want to hear me get critical, let players get out of your state and go perform that you could have had and go perform at a high level elsewhere. That's just, uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about basketball here. For those of you that have had the pitchforks out for Frank Martin, that's a different animal. But uh, football wise, um, that you could have had, you know, th- that's a problem. And you look back on it, guys. Uh, before Clemson was Clemson, you know, who let uh, Jadar Johnson and Cordera Tankersley uh, and the kid Denzel Johnson, who I know wasn't a starter, but from right there at AC Flora. Um, and uh, especially Mike Williams, who, who was all but a lock for South Carolina until Jay Graham left. Who let all those guys go up the road? Because they would have all been Gamecocks. They're all from like right there in the, the Carolina area, and they didn't have offers. Mike Williams did, but, you know, they did such a bad job recruiting him. Uh, Jeff Scott just stayed after him, and he ended up coming to South Carolina. I mean, I'm sorry, to Clemson. And so – you know, that's that's recruiting malpractice. You know, that's recruiting malpractice. You know, everywhere else, you know, or, or if it's an in-state kid and he goes to Clemson or, you know, I, I think it's, you know, in-state guys, if you lose them to Clemson or Georgia right now, uh, you don't want to make a habit of losing them to Georgia. You should win most of those, and South Carolina has. Um, TID last year was an exception, and, Quite frankly, I think if there hadn't been transition and turmoil, I think he'd be in Columbia. But, you know, like losing Justice Boone to Florida, you know, that shit, Florida, Florida, Tennessee, uh, nobody else from the East should be able to come into the state and get players. And what's more egregious is, uh, you know, because you can kind of accept that if you're struggling and Florida's playing for the SEC and you know, a kid wants to go to Florida because it's Florida. You know, you can live with that every now and then. We lived, we all lived through the Carlos Dunlap situation, and we'll live through the Justice Boone situation. It sucks, but that's how it is. Um, but you start losing guys, and you don't offer them. That that's pathetic, you know. And, and it happened with Davis, and, and then Jalen Hyatt. We're sitting here watching him, you know, from right there at Dutch Fork run a run a nine route and catch a bomb against Bama. I mean, they didn't win. I don't know that he lit it up this year, but I'll tell you this, if they find a quarterback and, you know, they're going to chunk it all over the yard with their new coach and he's going to put up numbers. And it's right there in South Carolina. So, 
that's that's when recruiting malpractice takes place. I think they realize that. In fact, I know they realize that, the new staff. And so they're going to still try to leave no stone unturned. Like I said, I thought Muschamp did a better job, um, but it wasn't 100%. You know, there were certain positions where you looked at it, especially receiver, and you're like, well, why are you going over to Georgia, you know, a state that struggles to put out receivers, to be quite frank, um, and, and and trying to find guys when you got guys right here that are going elsewhere and shining, you know. Uh, so that's how it is. But anyway, that's why I'm going to mention in-state guys uh, on the podcast uh, and other out-of-state guys as well. Uh, one other philosophy of mine in recruiting is go to the Northeast and Midwest and get offensive linemen. Ryan Brubaker uh, from Reamstown, Pennsylvania. I talked to Shane Beamer last night. Uh, I understand that went well. Uh, he's a big Pennsylvania offensive lineman. Penn State's offered. Uh, I do think South Carolina could probably – work its way into a visit, no guarantees, because obviously visits are, you know, up in the air right now. Um, but very promising, because South Carolina got in on him, Greg Atkins, Pete Limbo, um, and they're recruiting him hard. And, and that's the type of offensive lineman, you know, that, that you know that guy can come in here and, uh, you know, they've got a lot of good young offensive linemen right now, but Brubaker can come in and have a great career. Uh, if they get him, going to be tough, I think, to pull him at the end of the day, but did want to pass that note along as well that South Carolina has been, you know, working with him and sort of expanding up, uh, you know, into the, the Northeast, the Pennsylvania area. Uh, I think they've offered a guy from Ohio too, uh, you know, where they have offensive linemen. I think Eric Wolford did a great job uh, winning some battles in Northern Virginia, but they, they didn't really go further North than that. They, they sort of liked going down to Miami uh, and out of Florida and recruiting athleticism and things like that. Uh, so anyway, there's your kind of recruiting report. I saw an ESPN article about Frank Martin and New Mexico. They kind of crapped on the whole deal. You know, said his name was out there because of his relationship with the New Mexico AD. They do have a long relationship. I'm not going to rule this out, though. I mean, I, I think that sometimes programs that have been down for a little bit that are used to winning – find a way to make the big hire. Um, I know those schools in the Mountain West, they don't they don't make hardly anything. Uh, and with COVID and everything, they probably make even less. So it may not happen because it may be about the timing. Um, but I do think – I do I, – I, I'm, I'm not going to put that particular thing to bed uh, yet. Yet. Um, do I think Frank Martin, even if he doesn't get New Mexico, will – you know, definitely be back at South Carolina? No, I'm not going to say that either. Uh, he may be, but I'm not going to say that either. And and those of you that want to listen to Ray Tanner uh, on the radio during his his appearances on 107.5 or whatever, and, you know, and, and you're expecting him to sit there and hint around he's going to fire a coach, uh, you're sadly mistaken. He's not – and it doesn't mean that he won't make a move. I mean, yesterday people were in panic because Ray Tanner was being extremely fair uh, about his basketball coach that still has games to coach this year. You know, I mean, you don't want Tanner to go throw anybody under the bus. I mean, everybody ripped Bob Caslin 
uh, for kind of coming out and saying, well, we don't know and we need to get better and all that. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they ended up keeping Muschamp and it did cost the Gamecocks a couple of players. Um, so so I, I, I think that there's a lot about the athletic department, you know, over the last four or five years, you can complain about the number one thing is winning, which I don't know that you hang around the neck of an AD completely. Um, but I don't think Ray Tanner is above criticism. Uh, but I think those of you that, that continue to want him uh, to come out and, you know, do a public execution, that's not Ray. And that's not any other AD either. You know, that wasn't Eric Hyman. You know, that wasn't Ray before he fired Muschamp. That wasn't Ray before he fired Holbrook. You know, so I I, I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> I don't know what you want the guy to do. Uh, and I also, at the same time, wouldn't sit there and try to predict the future. Um, so, you know, that's the Frank situation with that. Uh, the Gamecocks do have a game left. Uh, I'll say this anytime you're an SEC basketball program and you play at Rupp Arena, you want to win. There's very few of those times that happen. Kentucky's just as down as the Gamecocks this year. Probably a lot better team uh, from a talent standpoint, but certainly I think they're sitting there at 9 and 15 or something like that. Uh, so we'll see. You know, they're going to have a losing season, which is rare for Calipari. So maybe there's a chance for the Gamecocks to go up there and get a feel-good win before the tournament and all that. I don't think they're going to be – I don't think this team's going on a run. Um, hope they do. Would love to see a big SEC tournament run. Uh, don't think they are. Uh, don't think they have it in them. Uh, but can they go up and get a feel-good win over the worst Kentucky team in years? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so. If they're playing on all stuff, if they play like they played against Georgia, if they play like they played against Arkansas, they're going to get blown out the gym. Uh, but that's just that. So winning at Rupp is always special. You know, it's, it's just like South Carolina in football when they play Tennessee, when the Gamecocks are maybe uh, – I'll go back to like the 2018 game. Uh, and I think some of you out there probably appreciate those wins over Tennessee a little bit more than you did. Um, but you go back in time, Carolina's mediocre, Tennessee's bad, uh, Gamecocks win. You know, uh, you always want to beat Tennessee. You always want to beat Kentucky on the road um, at Rupp or any anytime. You know, they're the gold standard. So kick them while they're down. <laughs> Baseball game got moved to 4 p.m. tomorrow on Friday. Uh, so we'll see. May not have an episode of the, of the podcast tomorrow, um, but uh, – you look at it, and that's um, that's an earlier start. I think it's supposed to, probably supposed to be cold or weather related or something like that. Mark Kingston announced today his uh, pitching rotation is going to remain the same. Um, Far Jordan and Bosnick, Mercer comes in at three and four. I said last yesterday they've they've had their they had their midweek game canceled. Uh, still a good program. Uh, still one you got to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, but that's what's happening with baseball now moved to 4 p.m. Uh, I've talked a little bit about if they make a move in basketball to, to hire, you know, Rick Pitino, obviously. <laughs> and there's some people around the university that have, that have talked that up a little bit. Uh, did some research. I was not aware of this. Rick Pitino has a $10 million buyout from Iona. So I don't see it happening. Um, unless somebody writes a check, 
Uh, I don't know that you can go and pay. I mean, yeah, I, I felt confident they could find the money with Muschamp. You know, I, I felt confident. I thought it was unfortunate, but I felt confident they could find the money. Uh, I don't know that you can go and pay Muschamp 13 and then, you know, Frank goes and, and then you end up <laughs> paying 10 to get Patino. Now, maybe pay, I don't know. Is Rick Patino worth $10 million in publicity and, uh, ticket sales and excitement for the basketball program? Probably. Probably. Uh, and, and look, if this were two years from now, uh, I think when the Disney TV thing kicks in and it's an extra, I've heard everywhere from 15 to 20 million per school. Um, keep in mind, they get four, they can do anything they want. I mean, <laughs> you can fire the coach every year and pay huge buyouts, but Right now, I just don't know that they have it. Same thing with the Under Armour deal, folks. I mean, uh, look, I've, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people want to make it out to be. I think anytime you're not winning, you know, those things get magnified quite a bit. Uh, you know, nobody was complaining about, I mean, everybody was proud to be Under Armour when, when Spurrier was, you know, winning 11 games a year and baseball team was winning college world series and, in the basketball team with the final four, you know, nobody's complaining at Auburn about uh, them being a Under Armour basketball school. That said, uh, after thinking that through and, and, and looking at the football uniform fiasco for the last couple of years, because it became a fiasco. Um, I thought the idea, Hey, let the kids decide, mix it up where different uniforms must champ had and that'll help with recruiting kind of like Oregon. I thought the idea was fine, but a lot of it's like a lot of things during that era. The idea made sense on paper, but then, you know, you started looking at the reality of it and it was like, man, you know, how, how many times can you look like Texas Tech or NC State? Uh, you're basically doing nothing like Oregon does. Oregon has like special uniforms uh, that they bring out. Uh, you know, Carolina just basically took different colored jerseys and mixed and matched and, and had a little bit different helmets. Um, so, so, number one, I hope to God Shane Beamer changes that. Uh, and I'm not a big uniform guy. I usually don't complain, but it wore on me. And maybe, again, if they'd have been winning, nobody cares. But it wore on me, and, and I started thinking about it, too. I'm like, you know, some of these combos are just ugly or generic. And, and, and you know, you kind of own to something – under Spurrier with the big game garnets uh, and the stormtrooper look. And then every now and then you throw in an all black look or whatever. Uh, but they were consistent, you know, the uniforms were consistent. Um, where I'm disappointed with Under Armour is, hey, great idea, you know, let, let's switch it up every game. Well, let's give you some cool stuff. I mean, let's <laughs> I'm just going to give you these uniforms and you just, you know, basically mix the colors and you've got three different colors and let's do it. Um, give them some cool looks, man. I mean, I, 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 that, that was that was that's disappointing. That's what Nike does for Oregon and every other school. Um, so I'm off the Under Armour bandwagon. But but here's the reality, too, folks. You, you can't sit there and want Ray Tanner right now, right now, because a lot some people are like, let's do it right now. You can't sit there and want him to do it right now uh, to try to get out of that contract um, because, man, they're still paying the Gamecocks, and they need money. 
you know, other schools, Under Armour's come to them and, and, and tried to get out of it, and they have. UCLA comes to mind. And, and, and look, if they do that at South Carolina, great. That's an opportunity. But right now, you just don't go and say, you know, hey, look, uh, you guys, you know, didn't do what you needed to do, and our fans hate your uniforms and all that, and we think it'll help recruit. And, and look, it may have a slight impact on recruiting, but it's not going to make any difference. There's nobody out there not coming to Carolina because of Under Armour. I can assure you of that in any sport. Um, but you know, you're not just going to go give up $8 million or whatever for that. Now, like I said, if they want to get it out, want to get out of it and they come to Tanner and work that out with Carolina. Great. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going and getting Dawn Staley on a plane to Beaverton, Oregon, as soon as I can. And I'm pushing for the jump man stuff. Cause that stuff's cool. Um, and me and you may not even like it guys, man, we don't even care, but the kids love that. You know, some people said, well, North Carolina won't let that happen. They, they don't have anything to say about it. You know, uh, Florida's got it in the league. North Carolina's got it. Oklahoma's got it. So Shane Beamer probably has a relationship there. But uh, make no mistake, girls buy shoes too. Uh, Dawn Staley is the Michael Jordan of women's basketball. Uh, make no mistake, she would be a big part of that. Uh, and John Whittle reported that a couple of months back. But – it's not going to happen right now. So th- those of you that want to happen right now, and, th- and that's the whole point with the Patino thing and the buyout. Uh, you know, you're not going to, you know, right now, you're, you're probably not going to write that check. And, you know, th- there's no telling, you know, he, he wanted that buyout for a reason. Uh, and, and there's no telling if he'd even be interested. I mean, South Carolina's not a good basketball job, period. That's the bottom line. You know, you, you're going to have to, Hope you hit a home run with with a guy that wants to be there, or you know, do a Lou Holtz, Steve Spurrier type of recruitment uh, and get John Beeline. And if Patino's buyout wasn't ten million, maybe him. But uh, you know, you're just gonna have to. It's, it's a crapshoot, and it, it's a worse job than the football job by a mile. Uh, it hadn't always been that way, you know. I think though that ten years, you you hold on to Dave Odom too long. Uh, you had the Darren Horn era and then two years of Frank building back when every other team on campus was uh, unprecedentedly good. That, that's a 10-year period where, you know, the entertainment sports dollar or, or time with sports is, is being sort of, um, I, I guess, the, the, the you know split because you got championship programs elsewhere and emerging programs and uh, you know, you're going out there and you're getting beat by 30 against Mississippi State at home. <laughs> There's no life in the building. You know, I like a lot of youngsters, you know, love the final four run, but, but that was it. And I think that hurt the, the enthusiasm around campus for the program. Things change over time. You know, 20 years ago when Dave Odom came, still a really good job in basketball. And, and I think they could build it back. Uh, you know, don't. I'm not saying that because it's a bad job or a tough job that, that somebody can't come in here and have the success everybody wants. I'm just saying, you know, that this is not the same gig that it was when you know you went and hired Bill Foster from Duke, which was a huge mistake. Should have hired Bobby Crimmins then, but Bill Foster taking Duke to a Final Four and you go take the coach at the time, man, that's that's a good piece of work and is a testament to the job. You know, Eddie Fogler coming in 
uh, from Vandy is a testament to the job. Even Frank Martin coming from Kansas State, even though, you know, the AD out there and he butted heads and he was kind of ready to roll, you know, that's that's a testament to the job. This time around, it's not going to be that way. I can assure you. Because they, they've seen a program, you know, have a great run, nothing lucky about it. They, they whipped every team to the final four and then an inability to capitalize on it, empty seats in the stands, all that. Now, now, you know, does Frank Martin deserve some of the blame for not capitalizing? Sure he does. But I think there's, there, there's more blame to go around as to why this program didn't take off uh, like maybe it should have after the final four run. Uh, and I think those things – uh, feed into the fact that it is not a good job. Um, you know, and I think South Carolina in football is a top 20 job. I think in baseball, it's a top five job. I think in women's basketball, probably a top 20 job, but top three program. And so there'll be a lot of interest, you know. Uh, but like I said, this is not like after Frank McGuire left and you know, Eddie Fogler came in and then, you know, they went and got Dave Odom. I mean, you know, even after Fogler left, they were a hair away from hiring Tubby Smith away from Kentucky. Uh, and then McGee went after John Calhoun pretty – Jim Calhoun. Sorry, John Calhoun. John Calhoun's a figure from history. Uh, can I mention him? I don't, I don't know. Maybe don't cancel it because I mentioned John Calhoun. Jim Calhoun from UConn. Uh, who likes the state of South Carolina, the beach house, all that. McGee went after him. And those folks listened. I, I just don't know that you're going to see that, you know, even if Mike McGee were still the athletic director, you know, you, I, don't, I don't know that there's going to be that kind of interest. Um, I do think locally there's a lot of, a lot of guys at the mid-major level that, that could have some interest that could probably turn out pretty well. They've done a good job. Just like a lot of SEC, you know, most SEC jobs you fill them with, you know, mid-major guys. Um, so that's the take there uh, in terms of, you know, the financials and, and all that good stuff. Got off on a tangent about that Under Armour thing. Wrapping it up with the mailbag. Mailbag. I need to get a, a new sound button. Mailbag. Uh, and again, to get to the mailbag, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Or you can go to uh, Twitter to at the Big Spur pod. Two mailbag questions coming in. First from Noah. He says, don't worry, JC. I'll make sure your mailbag isn't empty. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate that. Uh, I know Tori and Gray has talked about making Carolina the new DBU, which I'm cautiously optimistic about. But do you think we could be the new running back you? We have two very talented backs in Harrison Lloyd, a couple of promising backs and Amos and McDowell behind them. Don't forget about Zaquandre White either. He's back at running back, and I've heard some good things about him this this offseason as well. And seem to be recruiting talented running backs as well. Keep up the quality content. Uh, I, I'll say this about DBU. You know, Carolina has a long history of players going to the NFL at that position, uh, going way back. You know, you go all the way back, and, and especially since 2000. Or, you know, you start with Sheldon Brown and Andre Goodman, you know, Dante Robinson, uh, Coach Simpson, Jonathan Joseph. You know, I, I just said five guys, and then those were like Brad Scott, Lou Holtz era. 
And that's not to mention the Spurrier era where everybody from Captain Munderland to Stephon Gilmore. Uh, and I know Simpson and Joseph played for Spurrier, you know, his last year. Fred Bennett was a Holt Spurrier guy. Uh, it just kept on going. And uh, even guys like Victor Hampton and Jimmy Legree that did not play in the league were pretty doggone good. You had Antonio Allen, Devontae Holland. I mean, you know, the, the DJ Swearinger, uh, the list goes on and on. So, obviously you can make a claim to it. You know, there's other schools that have, that probably have more numbers and that probably always will. The place Torrey and Gray was at before Virginia tech, they're not too shabby. Um, you know, so, so DBU, you, you can make that a, a, a good point. I know Shane Beamer kind of thought that when he was at Carolina. Uh, and so he probably told Torrey and that's kind of going to be their mantra. Uh, and he's gotten some good DBs in the fold. Um, running back you, well, the best, you know, two of the best players in the history of the school were George Rogers and Marcus Lattimore. Um, you still have Mike Davis in the NFL right now, uh, but there's been some gaps. And back in the day where you had a lot of thousand-yard rushers, you didn't really have – South Carolina, a lot of years, couldn't run the football. Um, you know, so I, I think that's tough, you know. Uh, I also think this – uh, you have programs around the SEC that just stack up running backs three, four, five deep, uh, and they're all good. Alabama, Georgia come to mind. Uh, LSU can do that. Uh, you know, so uh, I don't know. Can they be running back university this year in 2021? And can, you know, a lot of people talk good about Harris and Lloyd um, in terms of, uh, you know, how their impact on the field? Absolutely. But it's going to be a while to be running back you. I, I think Georgia, and I know you folks don't want to hear this, but ever since I was a kid, and, and it was kind of right after Herschel Walker, and there were guys between Herschel Walker and Lars Tate, I'm sure. But starting with Lars Tate and Rodney Hampton, I mean, and then like Terrell Davis played at Georgia. Nobody, you know, didn't even rush for 600 yards, and you saw what he did with the Broncos. He was a transfer from Long Beach State. Uh, they always have backs. You know, now some of their five-star backs may ultimately not pan out for whatever reason, but they've got backs. And, and it's kind of funny because there, there are there are situations where, you know, Sony Michelle, who ended up being really good and who is good, worthy of that five-star rating. But for the longest time, because of injuries or whatnot, you know, Nick Chubb, who was the lower rated of the two, they're both elite, uh, you know, for the longest time, Nick Chubb was the better one. Uh, and then you go back to Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall. Keith Marshall was a rock-solid five-star, uh, and Todd Gurley was a guy you had to kind of move up in the rankings late. Some people, Clemson wanted him as a safety. Uh, and so who was better between Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall? It was Todd Gurley. But I think because of all that, Georgia's probably going to be running back you from now until the end of time. I think Alabama's got a good case for it in, in this era. Uh, other than that, I don't know. A lot of schools have good running backs. I mean, you know, I, I think that that would be it. But DBU, to me, Noah, would be more realistic as it relates to South Carolina. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for your question. Dr. Robert says, JC, thanks as always for the great insight here and on the Big Spur and for turning me on to the JB and Goldwater show. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, a few years ago, you correctly predicted that Kobe Smith would be a breakout player nobody was talking about. He turned out to be a solid, reliable DT for us. There's someone on the current roster that you would make a similar prediction for. 
a guy who might not be a superstar, but someone who brings a lot to the table on Saturdays that might not show up in the stat sheet. Keep up the great work. I'm going to go, and and this is not my final answer. I'm sure there's other guys like that on the roster. Uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Dickerson. (laughs) We've been talking about Jalen Dickerson for, it seems like 10 years now. Uh, And I think that, you know, when he's played and been perfectly healthy, he's made plays. He, he looks like a natural safety. It's kind of a new beginning with him working with Torian Gray. Um, his talent really hadn't gone anywhere. It's just a matter of staying healthy. Um, so even if he doesn't start, I think you're going to see him on the field a lot this year. And I think that talent will show up as it has at times, as it has at times. So, there's your answer for right now. Now, we'll get through spring. I'll, I'll make some phone calls, maybe get to watch a spring game or something, and, and Dr. Robert, I may have a, uh, a different answer for you. Uh, all right, so Noah, Dr. Robert, I appreciate you guys rolling in on the mailbag again, the mailbag inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. All the time we have here for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast if that's how you listen to podcasts or otherwise. Also, didn't mention this yesterday, mentioned on Twitter. This podcast is now on Audible. So if you're like me, I get a lot of use out of Audible because I listen to audio books at night. None of them are about sports. I have to get away from sports a little bit. So it's like politics or history or something like that. But I, I'm hoping the knowledge creeps in my brain by osmosis at night but it, and it causes weird dreams sometimes too you're sitting there uh you know listening to an audio book and you're right there in the middle of the kennedy assassination investigation because that's what the book's about and it weirds you out a little bit but uh you know <laughs> i'm probably the only person 44 years old that you know sits down in your dreams and talks to john f kennedy or robert bobby kennedy or something like that. bobby kennedy not not jfk but uh weird weird stuff um so, yeah, so if you want to trip out when you're dreaming, listen to Audible. No, I'm, I'm just personal story there. Some people, though, they travel, they listen to books on tape. Audible's the best app for that, and now they're into podcasts, and you can get Inside the Gamecocks and J.C. and Morgan uh, on your Audible, and I, I think it's all free. Uh, you know, you don't have to actually join uh, to get those. Uh, but anyway, uh, check us out there. Most people that are on Audible do have some sort of membership, so – uh, if I'm wrong about getting it free and you want to go to Audible and try to get it and you can't and you're not a member, uh, then go to Stitcher or Apple Pods or, or the other places you can get it. Spotify, uh, I know it's free there. Uh, anyway, if you're on Apple Pods too, you want to rate this five stars, I'd appreciate it. Leave a review. Uh, we're still ranked. I saw some podcast rankings in the market. And despite the uh, change in schedule over the last month, it's still the number one ranked podcast in the South Carolina market. And congratulations to me and the other ones that were in the top 10. Uh, again, love the Gamecock podcast ecosystem. That's all the time we have, like I said before. J.C. Sherbert signing off. This has been Inside the Gamecocks. Everyone have a wonderful weekend if we don't holler at you tomorrow. Otherwise, we'll holler at you soon.